Three. Three. We're live. Shh, don't tell anybody. We're live. Uh, okay. Uh, we're recording our show for Las Vegas Real Estate now. Um, uh, it'll be airing this Saturday on KDWN 101.5 FM. And when you listen Saturday or you pay attention right now, you're going to hear Steve Kitnick on our program today. And Steve and I have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, I've got a uh, story on rents, which Steve's not interested in that. Uh, he, he, made, he made it very clear before the show. Yeah, rents. I don't want to talk about rents. I don't want to. You don't want to talk about rents. <laughs> not <laughs> okay. renting auto, you know, yeah, I, homes. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Maybe uh, a writer truck. Then there was an article in the paper Patrick Plenter has to put in. The headline is, Nevada leads nation in home foreclosures. <sighs> I love these headlines. Let me tell you. Anyway, we're going to talk about that article. Uh, and then... Uh, and then there's an article about rents in Las Vegas, and then we'll also talk a little bit about MGM. And then I'm going to tell I got to tell the story about one of my clients this past week uh, with regard to iBuyers. It was a interesting interesting story that came up, and I want to share that with you guys because it's an indication it, it's an indication of how they operate, you know, how uh, their mindset. Internet buyers, iBuyers, institutional buyers, institutional. Yeah, I, I call it institutional. Anybody who's who's buying what I call wholesale, okay. they're buying to flip. Basically, they're buying to either flip or to carry and rent, but they're buying with the idea that they're going to they, they want to take the equity out of the house away from the homeowner is what I'm saying. That's that's my that's my premise. All right. OK, that these guys are out there to take your equity from you. OK. OK. Will we be mentioning names? I dare not mention okay. names. We don't want to get but sued. We'll, we'll, maybe I'll, I'll say what it rhymes with. No, I won't do that. <laughs> Let them buy a vowel. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's do the show. We can, this, is, this, is, this is Hey, listen, you guys are paying attention now. Great. Uh, but I want, I want everybody on Saturday to hear this, too. So we're going to get right into the program. Here we go. There we go. And here we go. Segment one. Welcome to our show. This is Las Vegas Real Estate Now, where we bring you the three E's, educate, empower, and engage. We want to help you to make your real estate decisions wise ones for you and your family. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld of the Blankfeld Group at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and we have over a century of collective real estate experience. I'm a licensed agent here in Nevada. <clears throat> Excuse me. My NRED number is S.00488897. On this program, we're dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about local market conditions. If you ever have a question or an idea for the program, please call or text me. At 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me in studio today, I have Steve Kitnick. Welcome back, Steve. Thanks for inviting me to be here. I always look forward to it. Yeah, we like having you on because you bring some great knowledge. And, and uh, Steve uh, has a website called NevadaCE.com where he teaches realtors and gets us our CE, our updated education. And he's and he does it in an entertaining way. So, he's, he, so you're a... Edutainer. Edutainer. There you go. I wanted you to say it. I, the material I, can be rather uh, on its face boring, but I mm-hmm. was once told that there's no, uh, uh, there's only disinterested students. There's no b- boring topic. There, there, okay. Okay. That's fair. That's, that's kind of our whole radio show's pre- yeah. premise, too. Uh, when we talk about real estate on the radio, that's what we're doing. We're trying to make it a little more entertaining, but nonetheless, it can be rather dry at times. T- today, it's not going to be, though. Because I have Steve here, we're going to liven it up a bit. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, you, you heard, the, uh, how could you not have heard, about MGM's little problem this past week, right? Yeah, little problem. Uh, they got hacked, uh, ransomware. And- yeah. And, and so, and, and apparently Caesars had the same problem. They just paid their ransom, is what I, my understanding is. We don't know what MGM did to resolve the issue. We're not sure. I haven't heard the outcome of that. But I know that they are back to fully functioning. We're recording this on Wednesday. They are back to full operations today. So... 
I had first heard about it when uh, my wife and I got back in town from uh, Britain. We were in Great Britain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And the first thing that uh, a neighbor told me was that MGM was under attack, our <laughs> largest employer in the state. Right, right. I mean, yeah, we, you know, it's it's a tough thing. And I'm sitting as I'm as I'm reading that, and I was talking with Carly about it the other day. I said, I wonder what I would pay if somebody hacked my data. Um, and and the good news for me is is that I don't really have much sensitive information. I, we don't take social security numbers. We don't take any of that stuff. We've got people's addresses, their tax IDs, and that stuff. So. So what uh, if they want it? They can have it. How much uh, would you be willing to offer? I, you know, and I and I and I I broke out the calculator and I went through the math and I you know divided carry the seven here. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. I'd pay. And Andrew Jackson. <laughs> and Andrew Jackson. That's oh. about it. Yeah. So I'm not worth. I'm I'm basically I'm I'm advertising the idea to all those out there doing the hacking. I'm not worth it. It's starting to remind <laughs> me of Henny Youngman. You know the old line: "Take my wife." Please, please. Uh, take my data, please. <laughs> please, right. but uh, no, not in the MGM case. No, no, those. I mean, that's they have a lot of sensitive stuff there. Obviously, it's very, it's very difficult. Yeah, I don't have any sensitive stuff. I don't have any social security numbers or things of that nature. I have people's addresses and their tax ID. That's that's all I got. I, you know, I got nothing that's really worthwhile uh, to to anybody who wanted to get into our stuff. All right, not well, that I'm, I'm gonna, not that I'm daring them to do. Well, that. I'm starting to wonder whether I should do it and then try to get the twenty bucks out of you. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but none. It, it, look, it, we're we're making we're making light of this, but it's actually a very serious issue, and it, and it's happening to a lot of major companies. Our information, you know, from insurance companies, we've heard them being hacked. We've heard other medical medical uh, facilities being hacked. We've heard about these things, and it's it's scary. It's scary because we're also afraid at some point in time, maybe somebody's going to be hacking. You know, we we flew uh, back from uh, London, right? Oh, right, you What's going to happen if yeah. somebody hacks, uh, you know, the that F- the FAA? Oh my, and, yeah, and the financial uh, services, and uh, we're we're going to make sure we got a full tank of gas and uh, an emergency kit. Indeed, you're not going to see us driving on I-15 to get out of town. We're heading in the other direction, just in case. <laughs> right. Water, right? You know, yes, safety kit. Yep. You know, first aid. Yeah. Do you it's have scary. like do you ha- do you have like a safety kit at home, Steve? We've got a, we got a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of yeah. a yeah. I do too. I have a little plastic box with a bunch of stuff in it just in case that i that i i haven't looked at it in like three years but (laughs) were you a boy scout i was see be Be prepared prepared. yeah that's me they all know me that way too they're like hey i may need harvey's got a screwdriver somewhere we got to have one around here somewhere so i'm always prepared i've had a screwdriver before i came on the show (laughs) but uh, talking about a couple different things should have known better should have known better i just set them up you knock them down steve okay Okay, there we go um okay so so mgm we don't know how mgm resolved we know that caesar's paid and i gotta say that had had no one ever found out about caesar's situation that's kind of concerning too and you gotta wonder once you pay how do you know i mean how do you know that the data's safe i mean they oh here's your data back no we didn't make any copies we promise yeah, I mean, what well, do you? How do you know? You don't I, know. I guess you don't know, but uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, even in uh, you know, where lives are involved with kidnapping, we know sure. that people have paid ransoms, and then somebody they don't turn the person over. You know, yeah, Lindbergh case and doesn't always work you, out. You, you just don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a sad state. It's a sad state. Um, well, anyway, I, I just thought it was. It's just topical issue right now. It's not you know real estate related. It is certainly local economy related because. It had dramatic impact on them, like you said, our largest employer in the state. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just to me, I, you know, I worry, I do worry about my data. And not that, not, again, not that I would pay for it, but I do worry about it because I don't want to have to deal with the idea of going to 
rebuild it. That's that's kind of a pain in the neck, and that would be painful. Um, but I do worry about, and so we have some protections in place. We have some things that we do. But I, these hackers, if they can hack MGM, I'm thinking they can pretty much get to anybody. Probably. But, you know, getting back to, you don't know if they'll uh, actually safeguard it or use it against you. They're business people. So if they if their reputation comes out that they're trying to uh, extort money out of you again, yeah, uh, then who's, you know. The second time, you're not going to pay, number one. Uh, you're going to say, okay, never mind, I can't trust you now. So, right. so now I've just got to rebuild my system somehow so you can't get to it. That's what you're going to have to do. And and I, I imagine that if I'm thinking about it, you know, redundancy is an important element in, in storing data. You need to have it stored in more than one place. And I know, like, for multiple lists, I know that the multiple list services around the country, they have servers all over the country and redundant servers. Look, I even have my own website backed up. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, we got to. You got to do it. Things up. You got to do it. You got to make sure you do that. And so we have the same thing. We have. I have things that backed up on a hard drive, and, and then we also have backed up in the cloud. So you, you have to have that. So listen, you guys are listening out there. Protect yourselves. Uh, look, there's no guarantee that you're not going to get hacked, but do everything you can to avoid it, I would say. Yeah, a colleague of ours, uh, uh, Nick Nicholson, he teaches a class, CE approved for real estate people on cybersecurity. Does he really? Okay, yeah, yeah. interesting. Okay, yeah, because it is, we have to be concerned about that. And, you know, that's the way wars may be fought in the coming years is, is just cyber attacks. And that's what, you know, the, and, and these attacks on these on our, on our businesses here are, are not they're not local. They're coming from out of the country. They're they're coming from other countries. There's been some real estate cases where uh, these cyber uh, crooks uh, have uh, gotten uh, the title companies and others to wi- uh, wire the seller's proceeds right. to them, yeah, uh, or to uh, get the buyer's money who's yep. who's depositing money into escrow. So they're they're looking for money. We talk about that all the time. Wire fraud. Yeah, we talk about all. I mean, that, this show is predicated on talking about wire fraud quite a bit we talk we just talked about it last week with rick sanity from equity title it's a big deal you got to be very very cautious and careful when you're dealing with those types of sums for people because that's their life savings i mean this is everything to them and to lose it to, to somebody uh hacking into your email and i, I tell people and I'll, and I'll remind you guys i i think you have to make the assumption that somebody's always in watching your email just make that assumption and be careful about it and know that if you get something from a, a title company or in the middle of a big transaction just be careful what you're putting in your email just don't put any well, sensitive my, information. My there. my email for business, per, well, for all purposes, I do have uh, you know a VPN, you know the virtual sure. pro, what is it protection network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to. Yeah, uh, you've got. Everybody to. does. Yes, you need to you know be, be diligent and and even even with all those things, still make the assumption. Make the assumption that there's somebody watching you in your email, in your inbox, and and just be careful and cautious about it, guys. Uh, like I said, if MGM can be hacked. I mean, Mike, I mean, you got to imagine they have a significant level of security uh, established. If they can get hacked, any of us are exposed. And so just be careful and cautious with that. That being said, guys, hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some articles I found in the paper. One interesting headline, Nevada leads nation in home foreclosures. <gasps> Stay tuned. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, there's a tease. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's I don't do that very often, but that that headline just pisses me off. <laughs> it just I'm sorry, it just pisses me off. Uh, Again, and, he does, uh, and they wouldn't put the number in there. That's the thing in the article. There's, there's no it doesn't say how many. They just use the number that made it sound scary. One out of every eighteen hundred homes. All right. Okay. Come on now. 
So, I mean, just... And we're going to do some math. I know we one. have more homes than 1,800, but yeah. it's possible. You know, given some other scenario, <laughs> right. one foreclosure. Right. Because we only have 1,800 that's homes. That's right. Exactly. So that's, that's where that's we're going to boil this down, guys. We're going to boil it down. So let's just get right into that. We're going to go right into segment two. Here we go. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for the program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me in studio, we have Steve Kidnick. Steve, before the break, I was teasing our audience about the idea that I found this article in the paper written by, Pat, written by Patrick Blennerhazard, who does the real estate reporting for the RJ. And the headline reads, Nevada leads nation in home foreclosures report says um now I, I read through this article and nowhere in the article does it say actually how many foreclosures there are here in nevada so it doesn't actually give a number of houses no it, what it says is that the, the statistic they use is this is is that uh, in las vegas well in nevada uh, uh, one out of every 2224 homes is in foreclosure but here in las vegas it's one out of every 1,796 homes. So we were, you and I, before the program, we were trying to figure out how many homes do we really have here. Let's make the assumption there's half a million homes. Okay, there's half a million homes. So, uh, so that means that there's about 300 in foreclosure. All right, so that, that's, it's sad that that's the case, but it's really not a, a lot of houses. That's the thing, guys. In a normal market, when you think about it, um, people have financial hardships. You know, one out of every 2,000 people probably has some kind of a financial hardship where they can't afford to pay the mortgage anymore and they're in foreclosure. Now, just because they're in foreclosure, and you pointed out before we got on the air, Steve, and I thought it was a great point, just because they're in foreclosure doesn't mean they're going to lose their home. It's in the process. Right. But they might, uh, you know, they uh, might pay whatever arrearage or... Yeah, they might be able to fix it or sell the home before it's concluded. Does the article even go into uh, where this uh, writer cites, uh, where does he get his statistics from? This comes from, uh, uh, the acronym is ATTOM. It's an online real estate data company. Uh, I've never never heard of it, but... But I don't, I don't doubt the number. It's probably true, but the premise is, is false. The, okay. The whole premise is, oh, my goodness, here we go again. No. Guys, 300. That's it. Does he make any distinction about whether they're single-family residences, no. condos, apartments? Yeah. What, what, what are they? It just it doesn't really say. It, it, it doesn't really. It says it's a, it's a 7% increase from July. But interestingly enough, it's down 2% from a year ago. So it's actually less than it was a year ago. Um, you know, honestly, it's so Realtor, Realtor.com reported that Nevada emerged as a flashpoint. This is back in 2008. We understand that. Um, and it goes on to say the Las Vegas housing market took years to recover from the influx of these vacant homes in the state, the report stated. However, real estate experts don't anticipate another wave of foreclosures in Nevada or anywhere else in the country. In the aftermath of the housing bubble, lenders have tightened qualifications needed for borrowers to receive a loan. This is what I keep saying, guys. For the last 15 years, nobody in Nevada in particular, because Nevada passed some laws to prevent this, nobody in Nevada has bought a home without being thoroughly vetted and approved uh, there are rules and regulations now. They can't just sign. There's no such thing as stated income, stated asset. That doesn't happen anymore. I don't want you guys running for the hills screaming we're going into a foreclosure crisis. That's not happening. It's just not. Not right now. Now, could it change? Of course, we don't know. What, we don't, you know, we try to predict a little bit, but we don't know what the future holds. But I can tell you right now, there's nothing that indicates that there's any kind of foreclosure crisis. Have you seen or heard anything like that, I, Steve? Well, I agree. I, you know, I taught a, a mortgage finance class today with Ray Gallegos, and, uh-huh. uh, 
No, we don't see that. But, of course, if we knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't be in the real estate business. We'd, no, we'd be we sitting We might on be it. at the MGM uh, you know, playing some table game or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, we'd probably work for the U.N. and try to solve, uh, you know. No, that. I'd be on a beach somewhere with my wife, and we'd be drinking some alcoholic beverages is what we'd be but doing. But, no, we don't, we don't see that happening, particularly because of one of the – you pointed out with regard to these loans – Nevada, you have to have the ability to repay. Right. And so you have to qualify, and it's got to be very, you know, substantial evidence to support it. Yeah, there's not going to be, again, no stated asset, no stated income. You've got to prove that you can afford the property, um, and and that's the case. And right now, there's equity. There's a ton of equity in our housing market right now. That's the other thing, is that even if somebody were to come upon some financial hardship at this particular time, there's likely enough equity in their house they could sell it and take some cash and, and, and be okay. Yeah, there's such a shortage of inventory if somebody just had to sell a house. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they put it on the market, it's going to go. It's going to sell fast. Yeah, yeah, you price it right, it's going to sell fast. Um, again, it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting thing. So, I, you know, I remember in the past talking with uh, some of the writers from the RJ, and they, they, they correct me, say, Hart, we don't, we don't write the headlines. You know, the editors prepare the headlines, and they do it for a very specific reason. They're trying to get people to read the article. And, and, and that's why, they're try- that's why this, this headline is what it is. Nevada leads nation in home foreclosures. Okay. Yeah, we lead, lead the nation in something that's not really happening. Yeah, we probably lead the nation in gaming, too. I'll bet we do. Yeah. I'll bet that's the truth, yes. We may lead the nation in, in you know, people who are ingesting cheeseburgers by the hour right now, too. But who cares? It doesn't matter. And when you say you're leading, and I'm, I'm, I'm equating the two guys. I really am. I'm saying, who cares how many people are eating cheeseburgers right now? It's the same thing with foreclosures because they just aren't happening right now. My God, right after the show, I'm going to go have a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. I, it always gets the food, I doesn't so it? I so vulnerable to ideas. <laughs> It always gets the food with me. It always gets the food. Um, okay, so look, uh, the, the important point I want to take out of that, guys, is that when you read these articles, don't just read the headline. Read the details. And if you do, and and the unfortunate thing is that he didn't actually say how many houses. That would have been the thing. Oh, never mind. Somebody sees three hundred homes in the article. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Wh- wow. Whoops. Okay. Never mind. You know. And I think I'm doing my math right. I think it's 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 a, that's about right. So one out of every. 1800 homes that's not a lot of homes guys that's just not a lot right here in las vegas i've had some of our colleagues asked if i was going to or would i uh revamp uh, a couple of the courses that uh i co-authored with uh, <coughs> colleague jan o'brien on short sales oh, sure. and what have you yeah. and uh, number one i don't want to do that because i still have scar tissue from 15 years ago or <laughs> whatever it was don't we all but i don't really see that as happening and no. if it does somebody else will have to carry the ball that's yep you know what's interesting about that is is that the big the big thing that could be happening now right now in housing would be assumptions. That would be a that would be a huge uh, boon to the real estate. But the problem really is is that the banks won't do them, even though their contracts say this loan is assumable. The banks aren't putting any human assets towards that, so it takes six months to do one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what we found out recently. We tried to do one. We had a seller who had a 3% mortgage, and we were trying to, and it was assumable. And the terms of the assumption were in the note. They're in the mortgage paperwork, you know, uh, uh, up to so much percent of the of the new loan, uh, of the balance of the loan at the time, or $1,000, whatever's, whatever's more. Yeah. Okay, and that's what, so, but when we talked to the bank about it, they said, no, 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 well, that's what it was. That's what, that's part of it. We're also going to charge another six points, and oh, by the way, it's going to take at least six months to do it because we only got one guy in Delaware doing it, and he's doing it for the entire nation. 
<laughs> that's basically yeah, somebody would have to read those uh, loan documents because that sounds uh, it's it's problematic sa- it's sad and i ca- actually called the i actually made a call to the nevada mortgage division just to say hey guys did you know this happening they go yeah harv we know it's happening we understand it and and we've seen it but there's not really a whole lot we can do about it we can't force the banks to uh, allocate more human assets towards that because it's not really in their best interest and i understand that and i i you know look i get it they don't want to do a three percent mortgage when they can do seven. I don't know why the term class action suit is coming into my mind. But, uh. <laughs> right, right. I just think it's yeah, it's it's kind of sad, and and yet I understand it. You know, from a business perspective, we can understand and respect it from a business. But but look, it's in the contract, guys. I mean, you have to be reasonable about it. All right, then the way I'll get around it uh, legitimately is uh, if I want to sell the house. Uh, and I got a bunch of equity, and the buyer's willing to put down, you know, twenty percent, twenty-five right. or more. Right. I'm gonna. Do, I may just do a wrap around. A wrap. Yeah. I may just keep that first in place at three and a half. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and I'll do collect- my second, and uh, right. I'll make an override on the first. Yep. I mean, look, it's. I see that coming. It's going to happen. The banks are going to force us into this issue where we end up doing wraps or. Uh, uh, subject to all that stuff's going to start happening for sure. Of course, then after it's recorded, then the bank will be notifying me that that uh, got the acceleration clause right. on the first. Now I got to pay it off. I got to pay it all off. Yeah, I know. That's the scary part about a wrap. Yeah, you don't want the bank to know about it. Hey, most yeah. of our brokers in town want to let us even do wraps. No, and our broker would tell us no. Yeah, our broker would say no, no. Yeah, yeah. He'd want uh, a lot of legal protection for that. Hey, guys, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour. We're going to a few commercials. When we come back i need to tell a story uh about what happened to one of my clients this past week and i'm gonna i'm gonna share it with you after we come back an interesting story about institutional buyers here in las vegas so stay tuned we'll be back in just a minute so it happened to and you know who it happened you know this guy uh, yeah. uh larry murphy larry murphy yeah you know queensridge uh, he's not no he's not there anymore he's not okay. he, he sold that one larry time. murphy uh the uh yeah the new homes thing right so, sales track yeah, sales track. track. Yeah. Yeah, tell me, uh, yeah, because he used to, uh, yeah, I knew him from those day, uh, old days, but also occasionally he sponsored a few, uh, he was one of my yeah. vendors or Good, sponsors. Uh, Larry's yeah. a great guy, great guy, yeah, and, <laughs> and he's retired now, and, you, and we help him. Where we is he? He's living in Colorado right yeah. now. Yeah, but he owns a few properties. We manage for him here, and so this one. <laughs> it's funny, you're rubbing your hands as you're telling the story yeah. because Larry, I, I used to have this one gag of, about that uh, for you know somebody for being on my show or at the show that I awarded him like some hand sanitizer, which this is pre-COVID. <laughs> Who would know that you know that, right? all this hand sanitizer? And so Larry played along with me at an event when I thanked him for being here, and then he says. Don't I get any hand sanitizer? <laughs> it sounds like Larry. Yeah, um, you know, and and the thing the thing about about it. Well, I'll tell the story on the air. Yeah, I, sure. I don't want to. I'm not going to share his name on air, but I just yeah, want right. <clears throat> anyway, let's get it right into. It. Let's go to segment three. Here we go. Well, if you talk to him again, tell him hello from me. I sure will. I sure will. will. I sure will. Tell him I have some hand sanitizer for him. <laughs> See what he says. I'll let him know. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Steve Kitnick. Uh, and Steve, uh, before the break, I was letting people know that I want to tell the story about an, uh, an institutional buyer who approached one of my clients. I, oh, I have a client who has a number of properties that we're managing for him. And he said to me, gee, Harvey, I want to sell this one. Uh, and then uh, right now and and let's let's see if we can get it on the market and i said sure and then um 
and that, and we need we were, the tenant wasn't out yet, so we were going to wait till the tenant was out. We were going to take a look at it, do some little work. And so it was it, that was maybe three weeks ago or so. Then he sent me an email uh, last week and said, "Hey, I, I got approached by this local guy who's who buys houses. He's he's on TV a lot, uh, and he he made me an offer. And here's his offer. And he sent me the details of the offer. And I won't tell you, say the exact numbers, but let me just say this: it, he he offered him to buy all four of Larry's." Or, or I shouldn't say that. Of well, there's homes. a lot of Larrys. Yes, out there's there. a lot of Larrys. He offered to buy all four of my clients' homes, and 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 the prices he was offering were were above market. All of them were nice prices. These were good offers in terms of the price. It's the terms that got wonky. So here's what it was: He offered him. Let's say I'm going to say it was like twenty five thousand dollars over market on each of the houses. So a hundred thousand dollars more than he would have gotten had I sold them for him. Uh, we don't know what the cost of this transaction would have been, but let's assume it's similar to what we would have had uh, nonetheless. But here's what the other part of the term was. He would pay him $1,000 a month for each house over the next 10 years. $4,000 a month for the for the four houses over the next 10 years. And I can tell you, based on the price points, that amounts to less than 1% mortgage on those houses over the next 10 years. And he would pay it off in 10 years. So, basically, he was reducing the value of these homes dramatically by the terms. He was increasing the actual price. Sure. Lovely. And he was only going to give him 20% down. And so, let's assume each house was, let's just, let's just round them up. Let's say each house is worth $400,000. So, that's, that's $1.6 million for four houses. He's going to give you $300,000 down. Okay? So, you get $300,000 in the bank, and then you're going to get $4,000 a month for that $1.2 million balance for the next 10 years. Awful terms. Ridiculously bad terms. And it actually diminishes those prices dramatically. You have to do all the math, guys. So, I'm saying, I'm telling you guys this story because I want you to know that just because you get a bigger number from somebody doesn't make it a better deal. It makes it, in this case, it made it a horrible deal. Just a terrible deal. And if this is a strategy that an institutional buyer is presenting to a, to a seller, be careful, guys. You, you, you come to me and say, gee, Harvey, you offered me a lot more than, than you're telling me I can get. Yeah, but let, tell me the terms. Tell me, what, tell me what else he said. And I want to know if, there's, if you're carrying paper on this thing and you're giving them a very low interest rate, I'll do that deal. I'll do that deal all day. You know, I'll do it, and I'll sell the house in three months and make a fortune. Well, there's probably a lot of naive buyer, uh, sellers out there who – uh, would cling on to the sales price and uh, without even thinking about any of this stuff. indeed that's the problem is that you say you throw you just throw the sale price at them and they say oh yeah where do i sign before they understand and read the fine print uh, understand they're really getting burned great i can see people targeting uh, seniors and uh, you know elder abuse on this whole thing too. absolutely isn't it terrible i mean it's just i mean it's it's enticing and when you see those numbers you say wow this is a lot more than i thought i was going to get but you're not getting it that's the problem because here and, and i want to explain to, to my listeners this guys listen he's you know he's selling four houses for 1.6 million that's four hundred thousand dollars a house he's only actually getting three hundred thousand dollars that's all he's getting so he's getting less than a hundred thousand per home to start with and he can take that money put it in some place and get some return on it that's fine but for that balance of 1.2 million he can't possibly overcome the fact that he's basically giving that money away for free he can't overcome that and so his, he's got $1.2 million tied up for the next 10 years with virtually no return. So that's the problem. So make sure you understand the nature of the deal and all of the terms without, before getting excited about the price. That's, my, that's the moral of this story is understand, look at all of the aspects of an offer. Now, when we do a deal, 
Steve, how many pages are in the uh, residential person? Just like, what, 11, 12 pages? Yeah, in the current one, 11. Remember when it was like three? Yeah. Back in the good old times? Actually, I had somebody in a class of mine uh, who had been in the business so long, I... She told me she remembers it being one. One. And uh, she actually still had one. So I, wow. I, I wanted to put it into my museum. Indeed, right? One page RP, uh, resident person. Wow. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, and they tell you, they teach you in real estate school, hey, you can do a contract on a, you know, piece of, you know, just a, a napkin if you wanted to. I mean, it could be a buy, if both parties sign and there's and all the proper a things are in it. Cocktail napkin, yeah, or would it have to be a full blown? You know, to, to, today I think you need a bigger napkin. I don't think yeah. a cocktail napkin is going to work. I and mean, they say you could do it on a cocktail napkin. I actually wrote a counter offer on a napkin once, uh-huh. uh, but that was only informational, so that the person uh, could rewrite uh, an offer that was not legible. Or, gotcha. Under, you know, understandable, and we've seen that before. I mean, I mean, I remember when we actually used to actually write on the documents. We don't do that anymore. Everything's typed in and on the computer. But we used to actually have to write the. I remember we used to writing. have used to have a, a stack of papers in the in the back seat of your car just in case you needed to write an offer. You would do it right in front of the house. Yeah, you would just sit there and write an offer. Might have did it on the hood of the car. Too. Exactly right. Yeah, and have the buyer sign and then walk it in and present it in person. Oh, the old days. <laughs> We don't do anything in person anymore. I mean, I think that, look, I wonder what would happen if I said to a listing agent, gee, I'd like to present this in person. I wonder what they would, they would be like, what do you mean? What? I, no. Yeah. How do you do that? You can't do that. They would think I was trying to end run them or something. But you know, no. if, if they're a member of the uh, multiple listing service, which most agents are, right. uh, that's actually uh, a right that you would have to ask. Yes. You can ask that. But they can... Um, uh, reject that, but they would need to get it in writing from their clients. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, the client would be the one who would have to say no. The agent can't say no. The agent would have to do it based on the client's res- uh, wishes. Yeah. yeah. So if the client said, "Yeah, sure, let them bring it," that's fine. And uh, look, and I've ha- and I I sat in those uh, those kitchen tables on both sides of the equation where I was representing a buyer and presenting an offer to a seller with the agent, their agent sitting right there, and I've been with a seller as their agent while a buyer's agent presented to us, and so. You know, you don't do it without the agent there. The agent's right. still there, too, to help guide their client and understand the nature of what you're presenting. But it was kind of neat to present in person. Um, but but it's also kind of nice not to, to 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 maintain some level of anonymity in a deal, too. It, it is kind of nice to do that, well, too. Sometimes, I can, yeah, sometimes uh, it's better uh, that the listing agent present it. They've got the rapport, the right, trust, the right, relationship, and, right. and uh, depends. But... Uh, yeah, I, th- I can understand that, too. And I can believe that, that I think, I, I, you know, I don't have a problem with the way we do things now. It's just different. It's of course, just different. when you get a chance to present it, you know it's being presented. That's the point. That's the point. There were times when we were worried, you know, in those crazy markets where our offer never got to the seller, uh, you know, because the for whatever reason, you know, maybe, you know, you never know what the motivation might might or might not be. But, yeah, you, you wanted to make sure that it got presented. These days, you don't have you don't really have any reassurance, which is why I always insist that we get a signed rejection, which is is our right. That's actually, as as a realtor, that's one of our obligations. You know, before I got married, you know, I I did do some dating. I would have liked to have got wait. You some, dated before you got married? I did at oh, okay. one time, and I would have liked to have got a signed rejection. 
<laughs> instead of just having my calls ignored. Once again, I tee it up for him. He knocks it out of the park. And I'm, boy, that's a mixed metaphor. That's golf and baseball. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Do, do you golf, by the way? I do, yes. Yeah. Not very well. Not no. very well. And not very often, unfortunately. I'm not I, bad. I have a 12 handicap. Oh, no. Here we go. You don't be, believe it? No, I don't believe it. Okay. Well, you, you have a 12 handicap? All right. Well, actually, <laughs> here we go. Here, I was playing out at Anthem. Have you ever played out there? Sure. All Beautiful right. golf courses. I started the round with 24 balls and ended. <laughs> I figured that'd be enough. Right. I ended the round with 36. <laughs> so I'm, I'm plus 12. Plus 12. There you go. I got it. I knew it had to be. So there had to be a twist yeah, to that. You knew there had to be. Had to be a twist. Um, hey, listen, guys, we're, we're, we're coming up on another break. We're going to run a few more commercials. I still want to talk about rents. We're going to talk a little bit about rents and what's rents. happening with rents in the Valley. I know that really does get you that excited. Well, the Broadway show uh, rent. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, well, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll jump into some song at, okay. in the final segment. We'll see how it goes. Guys, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. We could talk a little bit about market, too, Steve. We'll talk about just general market conditions as well. Because this rents is, is pretty quick and easy. <clears throat> yeah, anybody who can afford paying the the rent that's out there, sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred, why aren't they buying a house? So, so this do is a buy down. You know, buy the average cost for a one bedroom apartment in the valley in August was sixteen sixteen fifty four, yeah, which is down eleven percent, twelve percent from last year. See, I consider that long term memory for me that I could remember from the other day. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's more than my mortgage. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do segment four. And page four. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Segment four. Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for the program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Steve Kidnick. And Steve, before the break, I was teasing our, our listeners with the idea that I was going to talk about rents. There was an article in the RJ this past week uh, by Patrick Blennerhassett. Again, he writes for the RJ, does a lot of the real estate work. And the headline of this article is, What's Happening with Rents in Las Vegas? And he goes on to say, let's start with the basically one-bedroom apartment in Las Vegas dropped double digits over last year. And so a single-bedroom, a one-bedroom apartment in Las Vegas Valley in August was $1,654, which is nearly a 12% drop year over year. One thousand six hundred fifty-four dollars for rent. I, I can. It's not long ago when I can remember renting a three-bedroom single-family home for twelve hundred dollars a month. Not long. I mean, not that many years ago. And now you can't get a one-bedroom apartment for for under sixteen hundred, or or the median is around sixteen hundred. There are some cheaper, obviously, depending upon where you go. But nonetheless, that median price is significantly higher than I recall. But it's down from a year ago. Now, here's the thing. I had a great discussion with another one of my landlords the other day, and we were talking about during the, during the crisis, during the housing crisis back in the mid-2000s, rents didn't go down at all. They remained flat because they remained flat for years here in Vegas before recently, but they never went down. And so um, it's interesting now that I think what happened here is my impression, as we do a lot of property management, my impression is, is that during the pandemic, uh, rents went up significantly. Um, because demand was high. There was not a lot of inventory. People um, uh, were not wanting to move, so they were paying the rents. And so there's a lot of things happening that, that increased rents during and after the pandemic. And now we're seeing kind of, a, kind of a, a reaction to that, a little bounce back is what's happening, and they're coming down a little bit. But I don't think they're coming down in all segments. In other words, single-family homes, I haven't seen 
prices come down in rents on single-family homes. I think they're still strong. They're not going up anymore, though, either. So if you're... But, yeah, but now with the apartments, there's more apartments being built. So that's the true. apartment rents are going down. Yep. Right? Exactly right. Supply and demand. Yeah, there's lots of apartments being built right now. And there's a lot of investors buying and building apartments right now because they saw there's a shortage. And we do have a shortage of, of, of housing right here in the Valley, without question. And there's actually a shortage of housing across the nation. you know. But here in the Valley in particular, when we're growing by, what, 3,000 people a month again, something on that order, um, then we need to you know make sure we have sufficient housing. And right now we don't for sale even in a market when there's not a lot of buyers there's not a whole lot of sellers right the inventory out there is very very low it's higher than it was before but it's still very very low but there's not that many buyers either so well, the, activities the build, off the builders are still taking out permits yeah but that's dropped significantly too but they're still doing it they're still building and they're anticipating that that interest rates will eventually come back down but guys, I don't, I don't see three and four percent any time in our lifetime again. The proverbial ship has sailed Indeed. on that. Anybody right. who's thinking uh, three and a half to four, forget about it. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And Face you, reality. That is, and and right now, even though rent, I mean rents, even though mortgage rates are higher than they were, they're really at historical average right now, pretty much. Some look. Most of these prognosticators, with all their credentials and their degrees and what have you, they often they oftentimes don't know what they're talking about. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. My my theory of interest rates has been true for all of the thirty six years I've been in the business. Okay. Interest rates will either go up, go down, or stay the same. Wait a minute. Let me write this down. Would you? Yeah. They will go up, go up, or they may go down, or but they could down. stay the same. Or they could stay the same. That's okay. that's a guarantee. Okay. But some folks who they believe we, maybe by next year it could be in the five five and a half range. That's what I hear. Okay. Uh, this is the speculation. But, we don't know. But but then again, uh, we don't know because there's factors that come into play that, that you know there can be wars <coughs> and right. other and famine and who knows what. Yeah. But. I, if I were buying right now, I, I would probably uh, want to do a buy down, a, an, right. a, a, a temporary buy down. Sure, you know, yeah, you know, a three. If I could do a three, two, one, right. you know, if the rates are at seven, maybe the first year I could get it at what four, then five, then six, and then then right. year seven, uh, then it would go to seven. Right, it, it, and then maybe I could refinance. That's the key to and me. When listen, it goes down to five or something. Here's the thing, Steve. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of buyers. I talk to buyers all the time, you know. And actually, we're we're still fairly as a team. We're pretty busy right now, unusually busy for for what's happening in general across the market. But when I'm talking to buyers, my point to them is simply this: and they'll say, "Harb, I'm waiting for rates to come down." I, and I understand. Oh that. my goodness! And so here, but here's the problem, guys. You're not the only one. That's the issue for me. Come down to where? Well, come down to five. They're, they're not. They're not saying they need three. They're saying, "Hey, hey, I hear it's going to." They hear what you hear, Steve. They hear, "Oh, it's going to be in the fives in another year and a half." Well, guess what? When it is, demand's going to shoot up, and prices are going to go up again because there's not going to be a whole lot of property out there then either. And so, my point to them is this: Look, buy now. As long as you can afford it, buy it now. And if you can do the buy down, great, do it. If not, just if you can, as long as you can afford the payments. But then refi when the rates do come down. 
do it then. Get the lower price now and then be able to get the lower rate. Now, we, this is not a promise that this is what's going to happen. This is just me thinking ahead, understanding and knowing what I'm hearing from buyers and understanding from sellers. Because sellers, if I own a home right now and I've got a 3% or a 3.5% mortgage, I'm not selling. I mean, unless, well, unless I have to. That's what gives rise to the low inventory. Exactly. We're not getting the, uh, the move up. Not everybody's got the Most people, you know. I presume would need to sell their existing house to buy something. Most else. people do it, and they're not right. going to sell it, giving right. up the three and a half percent or four, two, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, a lot of them don't want to have the same payment and a lot less house. They don't want to. They don't want to trade this house for that house. Have a smaller house and the same payment, or even a higher payment as a result of that transition. So we understand that. Um, but but just you know, just look as you're listening to this program and you're thinking, gee, Harv, you know, I hear you want you want me to buy now and. and And I'm not promising that the rates are going to go down. I don't know. I'm just telling you that I do know this, that if if rates do go down, that I believe that prices will go up. I do believe that's the case. Where are these, the people who are waiting to go down, where are they living now? What are they doing? They're They're renting? A lot of them are renting, yeah. So what tax benefit what uh, <laughs> right. is there to rent right. what benefit uh, uh, is there pride of ownership in right. renting right. Uh, are they renting. building equity right now your rate is 100% yeah. if you're renting that's your rate your rate is 100% knock it down to 7 you'll be a little better off yeah it's true no you're right you're right but but and and there's there's lots of reasons to move but home ownership is such a this this whole show is predicated on the idea that I, I want people to own homes i don't want them renting I mean, I manage properties, and I'm happy to have tenants. Don't get me wrong, but I, but I, I see the advantage to individuals for personal wealth growth is in housing. Is it buy a house, build up your equity? I mean, that's how that's how we always did it. I mean, that's if you talk to any of the wealthiest people in the world, they'll tell you how how they get their wealth. A lot of them will tell you it's real estate. You know, just you know, that first one's the hardest one, though, right, Steve? That first that first purchase because you got to write a check. After that, you're not writing checks. No, you're just moving your equity from one house to another. It's easy. Well, it should and be I, easy. Uh, look, <laughs> and if you don't have the money to do it yourself, uh, you you get other people's money. The good old OPM. OPM. I mean, the, the, you know, the FHA and uh, these loans, you know, you can minimal down payment. Yeah. You can get gift money. You yep. can even borrow money from a relative. Right. Uh, you can uh, even FHA, you can borrow money from an employer, actually. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which I think that could lead to indentured servitude. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but if, yeah. if, if somebody wants to buy a house, there's typically a way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, as long, you look, you got to have decent credit. You're not going to be able to do it without decent credit. So, so if, but if you don't have decent credit, work on that and meet with a lender and get it fixed. Well, I think with FHA, I'm not certain. I should be certain, but um, uh, if, uh, you might have what's called a credit ghost. Somebody has no credit. Oh. And that's not necessarily bad. Okay. You know, uh, but uh, they'll use uh, three trade lines. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, in other words, you could show them that you've been making payments on, uh, you know, your your electric bill or your phone or, you know, all these other things. So, if you want to buy a house... Uh, you can do Shall it. I say call you? Yeah. All Tell right. them to call me. And you'll yeah. figure out how I'll, to get them into I, it. I will help them. I hope I, I, my listeners know I'd, be, I'd love to help my listeners. Hey, guys, what a terrific uh, uh, program. What a fun real estate hour. I got to thank Mark, our production director. I got to thank Carly once again for doing a great job. And I got to thank our outstanding expert contributor today, that being Steve Kitnick. You've been listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld. Next week, I have another fantastic hour for you where we're going to have John Ingram on, our returning grand champion, John Ingram. Uh, If you ever have a question about real estate or any other topics we cover, just call me off air or text me at 702 
202-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's LV Real Estate Radio. Like and follow us on social media, our handle being at LV Real Estate Radio. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us this week. Remember, while we seek to educate, empower, and engage with you, we want you to learn, understand, and then act. We'll meet you on the radio next Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on 101.5 KDON.